Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal and Steam King Month was a huge mistake. You are 100% correct. This has been... Uh, and I'm also 100% at fault. The longest week of my fucking life and it's only going to get worse. When we said a while ago that we had a lot of plans for... You know, October, we're going to be, oh, I'm going to watch Gravity Falls and, and you know, Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated. You're going to watch all these, like, scary movies and stuff. And, you know, we're also going to watch all these Stephen King movies. We were like, oh, yeah, it's an ambitious project. But, you know, if we really stick to it and do our very best, then maybe we'll have a really good time with it. But we had to watch the Tommyknockers at my suggestion. I, I don't really know why I did that. It, it's not worth watching at all. Creepshow was good. Creepshow was really good. Um, but, uh, you know, really the reason I bring this up is that Blade Runner 2049 came out. I've had two separate people tell me it's very easily the best movie of the year. And I can't go and watch it because, A, you know, short on funds. And, B, I, I didn't like the original at all. I was so bored by the original Blade Runner. So I gotta go back and rewatch the final cut and try to understand this movie that I'm apparently I'm apparently too stupid to understand it. I, I, I bet. So just a reminder, I suggested the original Carrie and Creep Show. What have you brought to the table here that won't allow me to see one of the best movies of the year? Well Name both uh, of them. Be, Say them out the loud. Domino. The Langoliers you and the Tommy. Human trash. But before you are we get garbage. to that, do you do you want to do a news segment or something? No, no, it better? wouldn't. Because so we are hours away articles. from the new Last Jedi trailer dropping, Chris. All eyes are on ESPN oh my tonight. God. Oh, gee, everyone's gonna be watching Monday Night Football just for your stupid little laser movie. Talking robots. Speaking of laser movies, in the Tommyknockers, when she pulls out her lipstick, comma. Oh, jeez. I should have been ready for that. So, do we really have anything to say about Harvey Weinstein? I can't really make a joke about how disgusting this guy is. I mean, between him and Honest Trailers, I just... Chris, our spot is finally opening up in the big time. Sooner or later, everyone will be fired. All we have to do is not jack off in front of girls, and eventually we'll get there. And I've been holding strong for 27 I'm... years. So she exactly. So you know, this is uh, it's going to be a tough resistance, but I think we can pull it off. I think the the main thing about the Harvey Weinstein thing is just everyone else's reaction to it. By it's it's kind of funny. You get like Republicans and Democrats trying to call each other out about this, trying to use uh, Harvey Weinstein as a political cudgel. It's just like, can we just admit the guy is gross? <laughs> anyway, um, sir, they the fire him, of, but the Republican like, Party they elect him president. Sir, where is your honor? <laughs> it's just a guy that makes silly movies jacking off in front of ladies. It's not it's not the same as being the president, you guys. 
And meanwhile, people are like trying to go after Hillary Clinton saying like, oh, she didn't disavow him. Well, it's like, what, you think she's in favor of this sort of thing? She just took his money to as a politician. Who wouldn't? She's busy doing whatever the fuck she's doing. Like losing major elections and embarrassing herself. Yes. Uh, so the other piece of news, it's not, I guess it's not really film news. Alright, so moving on. I, I don't know. How, no, it's kind of. Maybe. <clears throat> I think we should talk about it. What's your favorite sauce, McDonald's? I'm not doing this. I'm Say not it. doing it. <laughs> Say it. Not partake in this. My favorite is barbecue. <laughs> I bring this oh up God. because uh, the fuck is going on with Rick and Morty? Fans, I'm just a man? little down. What's going on? I here? drove like, six hours to wait in line, and they only had eight packets. So. I didn't actually get to watch either movie, so I'm going to need you to lead the conversation, and I'm going to look at Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, you know, just, well, lucky you, you missed out on Tommy. I'd rather try, six hours. Wait, first of all, who's, who's McDonald's that's that far away? I was participating McDonald's. Szechuan sauce, it's probably disgusting anyway. It's McDonald's no, Szechuan just, sauce. Just, just go to a Chinese restaurant. This hour and then put a cartoon man on the front. Like, even I, the uh. fucking beaming icon of why capitalism is the worst thing to happen in this world, surrounded in this very room <laughs> by toys made for children and garbage, even I think this is a little ridiculous. Dude, they could come out with a fucking Frank Zappa Happy Meal toy, I still wouldn't you buy a liar. it. Like, no, I'm, no, come on now, it's Szechuan sauce. When did, when did Rick and Morty partner up with McDonald's anyway? Why? Don't, I thought they were popular enough. They don't need to. Don't like need that to was a one-off like joke that. that aired on April first, and then, like the whole point of it was like how, like putting your entire personality in these consumer products. It's just all garbage, which hurt me deeply well, it's a because good thing. I live a life of memes and toys for babies. Well, it's a good thing that we have a, a hardcore Rick and Morty fan like you to exactly and what actually happened. All in the, the show. fan theories with them and Gravity Falls, I really feel like we ourselves are a combination of Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls. Why'd your mic cut out? Do you like one of those shows a lot and didn't realize <sighs> okay. what you were walking no, into? I, listen, so I there's no fan. Listen, but okay, in so the port where he shoots the portal gun, you can see in one of the dimensions and. Chris, are you still there? Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so, like, we. Probably should watch your step next time, huh? Before you try and drag I... me into this. Whilst <laughs> being back on your bullshit. That's... So, which one do you want to talk about first? The Tommy Knockers or fucking. What's the other Let's one? Let's probably start with the good uh, one first. Show. So, Jimmy Let's... Smith. Okay, thank you, because. So, Jimothy Smith is in this movie, or miniseries. It came out in, um, what was it, like, 1993, right? Yeah, did you realize that this was the follow-up to It? uh, Because, boy. So, this is a good question. I guess we might as well get to this now. So, first they got It, then they came out with Tommy Knockers, and then they came out with Langoliers. And you could very clearly see it get worse over time. It was very clearly the best of the three, for what that's worth. And then Tommy Knockers is still very clearly better than Langoliers, for what that's worth. It just seems to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, anyway, 
The Tommyknockers was originally a book written by Stephen King. Shocker. And it was uh, about 550 pages, something like that. So it's a sizable uh, book. And Stephen King called it, what, it's 558? It's like almost 700. It is fucking I'm on huge. Wikipedia right now. Wikipedia says it's five. Well, you know what? I went with anyway, what Stephen uh, King said, and he remembers a lot from that time period, such as writing half yeah, of his books. <laughs> he, uh, Stephen King admitted that he thinks that the Tommyknockers, the novel, was an awful book because he says, look, I, I was probably the most coked out of my mind I had ever been. Uh, I will disagree with him on that point. I think the most coked out he's ever been was when he directed Maximum Overdrive, because look at it. Well, six and one half Um, dozen of the other, Chris. I mean, the 80s were a fun time for all of us. (laughs) So, uh, either way, someone read that book for some reason, and for another awful reason, they decided, oh, let's, you know, go ahead and make a stupid miniseries out of this. This has a lot of potential. Nothing happens in the story, and we'll make a miniseries where nothing happens either. Uh, it takes place in Maine, uh, big surprise, and stars Jimmy Schlitz or Jimmy Smiths as an alcoholic. And uh, my, hey, what's his profession? Um, what does he do? He's a poet, apparently, and apparently you can get paid for this in Stephen King's universe. Must be nice to be a paid content creator. Yeah, I can't really imagine that happening God in real same. life. And uh, apparently, he could also just you know just drink a whole lot and not write poetry for a long time and just read his old stuff and apparently people will pay money for that uh it also stars um marg helgenberger as bobby anderson so i'm just gonna call her marg helgenberger um and so she's uh so they're going along they live in maine and uh uh helgenberger she discovers some sort of like buried like metal structure or whatever beneath like the forest in her woods which uh, she happens to be a writer again a writer is Stephen King's story I'm shocked two uh, writers and in one fucking how many blacks oh okay well <laughs> well the answer is I think zero. that's a fair question yeah cause it takes place in Maine slash Stephen King wrote it anyway uh, so it, it just seems to be that uh, you know they're going around and it's like the most boring ass town you've ever seen and uh, there's also like uh, a male lady. Her name is Tracy Lords. In real life, she was a porn queen. Uh, <laughs> first of all, big fans on this program of Tracy Lords' early work. Her later work uh, leaves a bit. She to be was desired. really into uh, porn before music, it was apparently. cool. Or also legal. Yeah, she's a. Uh, and you can kind of tell it's just like in case you forgot, it's like oh, which one was the part? Oh, that one. Yeah, you can kind of tell like immediately. Classic uh, Stephen what King worth, trope, just like the tell. magical Negro, the slutty male lady. <laughs> For what it's worth, you can tell that uh, Tracy Lawrence is somehow probably the best actor in the entire movie, with the possible exception of Jimmy Schlitz, just because she's like, she looks genuinely really happy that she doesn't have to take her top off. She's just like, I could just, you know, do whatever. Yeah, I have to make up with a really gross guy, but whatever. I need to objectify myself while wearing this awesome beige outfit. So it starts off with some really old guy, and uh, he's going like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's showing his son this magic or grandson the magic kit and he's like there's even a place that's magic i, I would immediately leave absolutely right there there's like this, well, the engines believed it and i was just like oh god these how many times are you gonna Dad, do this grandma born i was talking about the engines again 
So they changed the name from uh, Big Engine Woods to Burning Woods. <laughs> Has liberal PC culture gone too SJWs far? SJWs ruin another literary classic. <laughs> Mike Pence would leave that town. Oh yes, inward um, Jim goes into the forest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's in the original story. Uh, so. Anyway, basically what it comes down to is, I mean, what do we even need to talk about here? It's, I'll, I'll give away the twist ending, the unforgettable twist to the Tommyknockers. It's, they're actually aliens. Uh, Tommyknockers comes from like a poem that Stephen King heard. It's like last night and the night before, Tommyknockers, Tommyknockers knocking on my door. Wait, where are you guys going? Don't turn off the podcast yet. This is really scary. Stephen King's a master of horror. Um, for what it's worth... I think in every single Stephen King adaptation I've ever seen, there is, at, besides Dreamcatcher, which I'll, I assume we'll get to at one point, there is at least one moment that it, I like unironically. So for Langoliers, I, I, not Bronson Pinchot, the one thing I do like unironically is like the idea of like an abandoned airport is kind of creepy and like time catching up with you or something like that. I was like, that's, that's kind of creepy. I like that. And in the Tommy Knockers, there's one scene where the kid's doing magic and he makes his brother disappear and he can't get him back. Speaking as an older brother, that would have freaked me out. That would have really, that would have really got to me. <laughs> Until the dad from Lizzie McGuire is yelling at you to quit the horse shit or you're grounded. While you're about to cry because you can't find your ghost brother. That dude is, that dude is, okay, first of all, this, this is a, a story of unlikable characters. So many unlikable characters. You got Joe Paulson who works at the mail room and he's fucking Tracy Lords instead of his wife. This dude is the king asshole. He is incredible. He, uh, I mean, I've never seen someone quite as unlikable as this guy. It's not just like, oh, he's cheating on his wife. I mean, honestly, you look at her and you'd be like, you can kind of see why. But it's, I mean, like, she makes him sandwiches, he throws them away. Just like, what is this guy? And then, like, he gave up a search for a missing child to go fuck Tracy Lords, and well. The worst of all of it is, this, like, he has this maniacal after, uh, before stepping out on his wife to have an affair, and he says these magical words. He says, but, but, but. See, I never want to hear the word but again, because but is what a goat has for brains. But is for the small-minded people in the small-minded town, and but is what you say when you want to get away from your stupid wife. Stephen King got a degree from the University of Maine for... English or, or writing or whatever and is the world's best-selling novelist he wrote those words That's, I thought about but is what a goat has for brains non-stop for the last two days after watching that it's the worst fucking line it, in know, any movie ever I think it genuinely is the worst line in any movie I've ever heard and some of it some of these are like really bad lines and there's just no way to deliver them uh, oh do you mean like saying the word Tommy knocker out loud because that's uh, yeah, got real Langerlier syndrome where every time someone says it, you just want to cut and be like, can we fucking change this to anything else? Yeah, Mark Elgerberg oh, is oh. there, and she, she has to say some line like, they'll they'll come here with men with guns, <laughs> and they'll gag us, Jimmy, and you know that they would do you it. No, they I'm would just do like, it. it. It's just like the worst possible line written, and you can tell that Mark Elgerberg is trying really hard to like say it correctly, there, there's no way to, to say it. It's just a badly written line, and Stephen King got away with it for some reason. Lots. Just so much cocaine. Just. 
Oh, there was actually a, a genuinely fun moment. See, for what it's worth is, even though Tracy Lawrence is a good actress in her own right, it, this really is the Jimmy Schlitz show. And there's a point in the movie where he's reading poetry, because, again, apparently you get paid money for this in Stephen King's universe. Uh, and he's reading poetry to the uh, various ethnicities of Maine, which seem to take up three seats. Um, and then he, then some woman is just like, oh, you're nothing but a drunk, always have been, always will be. And he's like, oh, I'll show her by getting extremely drunk. And just has like straight vodka, just goes like fucking nuts with it. And it's a funny scene where he pours the drink down her dress. Because if you look at his face the entire time, it's like he, it, he just knows that scene so well. It's just like, I want to click right down it. And it was just funny. And then he does this thing with an umbrella like the penguin <laughs> and it's it's so weird it's again this was written by Stephen King the world's best-selling novelist and it's it, he, he calls him you nuking netho b and I'm just like the hell does that mean it's about at this point we're like 45 minutes in and I'm having a miniature panic attack because I'm like what the fuck are we supposed to talk about we spent 45 minutes just visiting yeah. all these fucking country yokels and then Jimmy Smith got drunk and attacked a man with an umbrella after reading poetry for about five minutes. Yeah, then he's... Jeez, oh, it's so bad, too. And anyway, so Jimmy Schlitz is like, oh, I'm going to go visit my friend Bobby Anderson. They're going to, like, uh, dig up whatever that thing is in the backyard. And it's just fucking boring. They're just digging it up and nothing's happening. Uh, there's also police... T uh, okay, so Becca Paulson is... Apparently she works for the police. I don't... How did she get that job? I don't know. She doesn't look like someone who could be a, a cop, but for some reason she does. There's also Ruth Merrill, who's a sheriff and has, like, this short orange hair and, uh... And her fucking Goes out dolls? on dates with, uh... God almighty. Oh, that's not... Oh, that's not a big deal. It doesn't really play a big it's part. But when she goes out on this deal. date, she's wearing this... <laughs> she she wears this full denim dress. <laughs> I was immediately as soon as I saw that I was like, that is so nice. What was that? Eighteenth century? This movie sucks my dick. Nothing happens for the entire first night. It's so hard for us to summarize because it's literally just bouncing around. Alright, now what are they doing at the post office? Alright, now what's Jimmy Smith's up to? Alright, what's going down on the police station? I'm back to the post office yeah, for I, 90 minutes. I, I really I really can't go scene by scene. I can really just like try to remember little points that I hit on because listen, it's not because I have a hangover right now. It's it's just I, I think about it and there's just if you go in order, it is so much more boring than even the language. Murder finds but, weird stuff in the woods. Full stop. That guy's cheating on more timid Shelley Duvall. Full stop. That's 90 yeah, it's... godless minutes. But how about we talk about Hilly Brown? First of all, Hilly Brown. That's a good name. Because his, his, his first name is Hillman, so they call him Hilly. Stephen King stories have some really stupid names sometimes. Anyway, uh, I think one of my favorite parts with that kid is... Uh, so they're like it's they're both asleep uh him and his brother are asleep in their room and his brother's like oh there's a you know something coming from the closet or whatever he opens up the closet and some guy in a full black suit with glow in the dark fingernails <laughs> or gloves it goes boodly 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 <laughs> to the, the camera and they close it <laughs> as soon as i saw it, i couldn't stop laughing and it also it kind of ruins the entire movie anyway because the idea here is that Again, I'm going to give it up here. It's aliens. The, the Dominockers are aliens. They're just... They're aliens. And if they could get into the house, 
and abduct the people, why not just do that? Why why do this so weird thing where you're just like, yeah, we're going to make people invent a BLT sandwich? That's a good question, Chris. So moving on, uh, we get to part two. I have to admit, I watched this with uh, with Alex. Well, that's the end of this we, episode. We, through. Uh, we look, we uh, we uh, we 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 got through part one. We were just like, yeah, we can't do this any anymore. Um, and anyway, uh, so oh, by the way, tie in to it. Uh, they take. One of was Hilly goes to the the the, the hospital in Derry. Ah, it's all connected. A bunch of horse shit connected in all in the one universe. Great. Oh, so you're a big fan of Stephen King, right? I thought so. Yeah, and have you ever read the short story, The Revelations of Becca Paulson? No. That was actually it's one of the things that he added into, or they added into the Tommy Knockers to, I guess. Yeah, I had the thing make out sure you get just more had in here. Three hours, because boy, it it just had so much that they were just like, oh, we have to find a really good way to put this in. It's fucking. Stupid. I think the only thing to add um, from night one is you know when the Tommy knockers are around or they're using the weird alien magic because there's this awful glowing green light, and hand to God, when the oh, dog yeah. walks up on it and its eyes turn green. It literally looks worse than the intro to the Goosebump series. It looks. Well, I knew you were going to mention so that. So fucking bad. It really does. It's just. Oh, that reminds me. Okay, so like they, uh, there's a scene in the movie where uh, Joe Paulson uh, is going is apparently going out fishing with the boys, and then fucking she she goes after him screaming like Joe Paulson, you get back in here. He's like, wait, what's going on? She's like, the sandwiches. It's just like I can see why he's cheating on her. <laughs> anyway, it's really just a ruse so he can meet up and fuck Tracy Lords again. And he throws the sandwiches out the back. I start screaming because I love sandwiches, which reminds me, I'm going to make a sandwich at some point. I might have to do it during the recording. No, you're uh, not. It's one of the things where so they get back after the the entire day is just spent in bed which believe me i've been there before um and they're like oh let's get back in the car and immediately first of all tracy lewis is all over this guy which i don't know what he has to offer it just i why this please guy? be nice to the small but, town version of michael keaton i don't appreciate what you're saying this big fucking bloated okay. face Speaking as a man with a big bloated Dude, face. Dude, same. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is every once in a while I'll watch a John Carpenter movie to remind <laughs> myself that big faced gentlemen can be leading actors. Uh, oh, just wait till you watch Halloween 3, friend. I am, I'm actually, I have it downloaded. I so. am so excited for you. <laughs> anyway, the, the reason I bring up the scene between Tracy Lords and uh, Joe Paulson is that I, I'm just not going to use Tracy Lords' character's name. I'm just going to call her Tracy Lords. Why um, bother learning? Yeah. The second we're done recording this, this movie will be out of my brain forever. Yeah. And off my hard drive. Anyway, uh, so they get into yeah, the Yeah, it has cart. to be on your hard drive, because you literally can't buy it anywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah, which is a good sign. Yeah. I found so, a DVD copy from 1998. How do you it. do this? I, I dug through Amazon. I was like, hey, you want to pay 20 bucks for a DVD that came out 20 years ago? Like, nope. Thank you, so it goes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the car starts shaking with them in it. The screen light's under them. What happens? Nothing. Nothing Nothing comes of the scene. Who? Uh, imagine Imagine you gather up the family, and, you know, you just had a, you know, a rollicking good time at the high school football game. You're just like, well, our America's favorite writer has just released a new miniseries here. So, 
let's all gather around the tube and make a little bit of popcorn with some butter and we'll just watch this light-hearted romp and nothing happens. It waits two nights of your life. Like, I have to reiterate, I know this probably sounds like a jumbled mess and you can't follow what's happening. That's essentially what watching it's like. You just keep bouncing back and forth to different small-town people inventing things because of green alien magic. Yeah, Tracy Lords invents a really stupid machine that sorts the first-class mail. Fucking do it yourself. Two hours into the movie, that's that's the development. She uses alien powers to create a thing that sorts mail. But it's it looks not, like you find in fucking Pee Wee's house. Like it's not as quite as entertaining as her lipstick death ray. Oh my god! Which uh, 1993—that's the best they could do, I guess. So, should we just agree we're done with night one? Everyone's getting yes. weirder. They're inventing yeah. more things. Now it's about halfway into night two where I texted you an apology that this <laughs> is actually the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> because night one is the most boring 90 minutes I've ever spent watching anything ever. Yeah. But Night 2 would be a top 10 Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. Oh, It goes off the rails so fucking quickly. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what it's doing, but it's the best. It is seriously so funny to me. Like, I think my favorite part is where he grabs that clearly fake alien and throws him away. (laughs) (laughs) Or when he just casually swings a shovel and knocks an alien head off yeah I, but we'll get there oh because spoilers we go inside the spaceship at the end oh yeah and i think what one of my other ones is like you have that crowd of people there and he's like a football field away and he whispers something like and they all turn and look at it, it was like how the hell did they hear that <laughs> so let's see where does night two start i've I'm just scrolling past all the notes in all caps that say, what are we supposed to talk about? Who gives a shit? Haha, I know what a Cujo is, because it's a really subtle joke, because the dog's acting crazy. See, that's the thing. is In most Stephen King works, they'll have something that's at least a little bit subtle. Like, we'll get to it in Creepshow, but there's a sign that says Portland, Maine. That's where he grew up. That's, hey, that's that's not bad, you know? Or, actually, they make a Portland, Maine reference in The Shining, the, the good one. And you're like, hey, that's... You know that's that's not bad. That's uh, it's pretty good. It's just like, hey, by the way, Stephen King wrote it. This is just like, well, what's with your dog? And then she just says, well, he's acting like a regular Cujo. Turn to the camera, wink. Theme music plays out. It's, I mean, it's not more embarrassing than anything else in this movie, but still. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so I think near the beginning, oh, here we go. I just see Alameo the dolls. <laughs> so that all those dolls come to life and fucking murder that cop. Which, yeah, it was about one of the, ser- it was the silliest things I've ever aliens. seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, they come the- to life? Who could t- who could possibly know? Yeah, why would they do that? Why did they take so long to do that? Why not just do it, like, immediately or something? I, I have no idea. So we have that happen. We have Tracy Lords going to the cemetery and using her lipstick pen to turn that giant fucking gravestone into what looked like Nickelodeon slime. Uh, yep, that is that is correct. And it was about here I realized, like, hang on, this movie might actually be really good. And then the guy gets attacked by a Coke machine. I was like, yeah, this movie's pretty great. Which, by the way, that whole segment was really weird. Uh, so they... No kidding. Uh, it, so the guy's reaching in there for a Coke. First of all, don't do that. Second of all, like, they got, like, the spikes on the glasses. Is that how those machines work? I kind of hope not. 
Chris, did you find that scene both exhilarating and terrifying? Well, as as with any Stephen King story, how could I not? That's good because you'll see it again in Maximum Overdrive. That's that is. Oh yeah, the boy. He, what is with him and his coke? Uh, we have a haunted typewriter. You guys ever hear about that? You guys see a spooky typewriter <laughs> in my movies before? Oh yeah. So the scene where she uh, uses the uh, alien magic psychic stuff to uh, to rig up a typewriter that types her her work for her. Do you think Stephen King used that to write the story? Folks, we make jokes here, but I've got to talk about the time where Hilly's looking out from his window. This is I think this actually might have been in part one, because uh, this is just something that's stuck in my head. So he's looking out the window, and he's talking to the aliens, I guess, or whatever. He's saying, really? I could do that with my magic? Or just like, shut up, kid. But it's intercut with the scene of Mark Gerber and Jimmy Schlitz having sex. And it's just like, oh, yeah. he, it's like, is he watching them? Like, what's going on here? They're fucking makes that green so powerful. Yeah. So basically, everyone just keeps getting smarter and smarter, and their teeth start falling out because it's scary, I guess. And they keep inventing uh, dumb shit, but they keep becoming more of like a hive mind zombie thing. But our hero, the sensitive poet Jimmy Smith, is not affected. Chris, why doesn't the alien mind magic work on Jimmy Smith? He has a metal plate in his head because... What, he ran into a tree or something? I don't know. Yes, he, he sunny bonoed a tree. <laughs> I feel bad about that, but we're going to leave it in anyways. Yeah, that's better than bad. my other one. I kind of... Uh, the Tommy Knockers. What the fuck? Okay. So three hours. Yeah. This, this of a small town in Maine inventing things like a mail sorter, and a woman rigging her TV to blow up her husband, and a little boy disappearing in a magic act. Three hours. Yeah. It's uh. And wait a second. Does I, I didn't. I don't know if I understood this. Uh. Did did Jim did Jim Garner kill himself? That's a good question. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause he must have, cause like he he cause it he blows himself up and then he at the end he's still here. I'm like reading his poetry. Why I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so he finally decides like oh, I gotta do something. We gotta stop this crazy thing. So him and Murderfer mm-hmm. go deep inside the alien ship. Jimmy Smith <laughs> fights off a couple of the aliens. <laughs> And then he pilots the ship, flies it in the air, and it explodes. And then the credits roll while he reads poetry. Yeah, and... <laughs> Meanwhile, so everyone's freed from the influence, and it says they suffer no ill effects. It just gets to me for these stories. Wouldn't you go tell someone? Like, even Friday the 13th, one of my most hated movies... Even that does a better thing there because they're just like, no, they can't go tell the cops because, you know, there's, I mean, what are you going to say? Jason Voorhees is still there? It's like he's killing off all the witnesses. So no one can be like, and he's on the loose, you know, or whatever. So, you know, it it makes sense. You know, same thing with, uh, I know what you did last summer, stuff like that. Is like, they're all getting killed off here. Meanwhile, an entire town was affected by the Tommyknockers and... They don't tell anybody because that's the first thing I would do. I would call the newspaper. I'd be like, "Guys, I get a scoop." Well, in the book, I'm pretty sure almost all of them die at the end. It's a very downer. If you read, well, read the summary for the book. Don't read the book. But my God, it is 
very much Stephen King at the worst of his addiction. It is a desperate cry for help. Yeah, the, boy, that when you even know where he was and the fact that he almost died, like his family found him passed out, like not long afterwards, and you read that closing paragraph or two, whew, it's a real downer. Jeez. But he uh, turned his life around, so now this is just really, really embarrassing. Such as Jimmy Smith saying, You're like a vampire, you and your precious Tommy knockers. <laughs> and saying stuff like, They've been giving you brain food, and all they've been doing is fattening you up. And you're just <laughs> like, Oh man, I need Joel and the bots. Like, this movie was already embarrassing. How hard did you laugh when the alien appeared? Because I, I was, oh man. I was scream laughing like someone. It's like a mummified <laughs> alien too. I, I just, uh. I was like Shaq in the crowd at a comedy show, just fucking standing up and clapping and running around. <laughs> I was making a goddamn fool of myself. Uh, but anyway, this is one of the points where I know our opinions aren't that popular because the Toledo Blade praised the riveting visualization <laughs> of the novel, calling it one of the better adaptations of a King novel. What on earth is the Toledo Blade? That's the daily newspaper I in Toledo, Ohio. I can't believe that this got adapted. Like, they wanted to do the stand, obviously, but that yeah, it's, took uh, forever. So, like, alright, we'll just do the book everyone hated. Well, that's that's just what you get sometimes. So, the Tommyknockers. Parker, would you recommend this? I would definitely recommend watching Night 2, because Night 1 means nothing. You just hop on YouTube and watch that second 90 Minutes. Oh my god, dude. It is... Like, I actually texted you an apology. Like, I'm sorry for everything I said. This is the funniest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. It is... It is. That's the thing is, it is worth uh, watching. But this is a problem when you make uh, a miniseries like this. You have to make both nights interesting. They, they did it backwards in It. Night one of It is well acted. It's interesting. It's like, okay, there's a setup. I mean, it's still kind of dull and not scary. But it's enough to make you say, okay, I want to see how night two is going to do it gonna go and then you get let down with a giant spider uh in langoliers they did neither part was interesting and in in tommy knockers night one is awful but night two is it's worth it for that build up anyway the she idea here, two cops with lipstick that shoots out a green laser <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's, it's exactly so what you think. good Oh, speaking of, I, I gotta mention this, because I just, again, I, I mentioned their unlikable characters. Joe Paulson's easily the worst one. You know who's also unlikable? Hilly Brown. Fuck that kid. I really, I seriously, I actually hate that kid. Because I, I forgot about this. The first time I watched it, I think I watched it with my mom. I was just riffing on it the entire time, and she's like, okay, I admit, not everything Stephen King has ever done has been fantastic. She's a hardcore Stephen King fan. But it, it got to the part where uh, Hilly makes Davey disappear, which I already told you is kind of an emotional moment for me because it was like if I had ever done that to my brother I wouldn't be able to live with myself but then he starts yelling at his grandfather he's something like he was like I hate magic and I hate you it's just like you know fuck you kid <laughs> I forgot and then he like goes into a coma or something <sighs> which he deserved he had a he had a massive brain tumor and his teeth were falling out uh, well, Stephen King described writing this book by being up till midnight every night with tissues crammed up his nose to stop the blood from all the cocaine he was doing. Yeah, I see it. It's uh, That's all definitely right there. Uh, I can tell. You know, I wonder who did more... No, wait, hang on. I don't know how to tell this joke. It'll also be an edit point. I was thinking, did you see the video of the Miami Dolphins office of line coach doing like lines Fuck of Fuck yeah, I did. What a champion so, he is. So the question here... Did he take his job title as the line coach too seriously? 
Oh, you're giving away our Friday content too early, friend. <laughs> All right. So basically, uh, the, my, my final word on Tommyknockers is this. The basic story here is that there is a substance or some sort of power, whatever, in the Tommyknockers that gives you extra brain power. It makes you work better, faster, more efficiently, but it could also destroy your body. And I think that is a worthwhile message to get across. The idea that really cocaine was terrible, and Stephen King has been very adamant that cocaine and alcoholism was just terrible for him it affected his work negatively and it affected his life negatively it was it was just one of the darkest periods of his life and he's been very vocal about it and i like that idea the problem is that it led to the tommy knockers yeah metaphors are for cowards if you want to say something just say it all right you buck tooth fuck yeah anyway speaking of this guy's weirdo face at least jimmy smith's got to be in a good movie uh, look at you not peppering that in to hurt me well, I mean, it's this is his best science fiction movie. Um, wait a second, I'm not even wrong. Because his other ones were the Star Wars prequels and Rogue One. Those weren't even any good. Rogue One was a theatrical experience, Chris. Putting me in the world of Star Wars. Dude, you have no idea how many people keep trying to tell me that it's better than uh, Force Awakens. I mean, it's not just a retelling, Chris. It's an original story. It's based called the Star Wars story. Something that happened forty years ago in a title <laughs> crawl. So yeah, at least gonna... Jimmy Smith was eating good for Rogue One. My God, shout out! Oh yeah, he got huge. You see him in Dexter. This guy got so big. <laughs> in fact, I'm gonna Google him right now. So Jimmy Schlitz. Hasn't he been through enough? For not God's enough. sake, he's a struggling poet. His face was, like, approaching the levels of Steven Seagal huge. Uh, that's... Let's... Come on now. Is anyone that That is big? actual libel. Steven Seagal he, is a real patriot and almost fought for us overseas, if you ask him. <laughs> Apparently he wants to fight... Who, who does he want to fight? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. Wasn't like some retired boxer who shouldn't be fighting anyone? I think it might have been uh, George Foreman or something. George Foreman should not, like... If he coughs too hard, up. his yeah. brain rattles. <laughs> I like his, his uh, George Foreman grills. So you get all the... You know, drains out the fat here. You just pour it into a little glass and drink it up. And it's just like, okay. Uh, pours the grease directly into my mouth. Yeah. So, let's, let's uh, do a very serious segment here, ladies and gentlemen. So I've made some terrible decisions, the Langoliers, the Tommyknockers, and Parker recommended very strongly a movie I'd never heard of called Creepshow. Uh, one of the things that it kind of bugs me is I have seen more than 1,200 movies, and I, <laughs> no, this isn't even like me bragging. This isn't me bragging. This is me defending myself, because whenever I say, like, oh, I, I haven't seen fucking whatever, High School Musical or, or Halloween 3 or something like that. People say, fuck you. Oh, where have you been, Chris? You know, like, it was like, oh, I was I watching seen... silent movies with all white people. Listen, I've seen, like I said, I've seen over 1,200. You found, like, the one I didn't see. Oh, where, how could you have lived without seeing fucking, okay, Carrie is a bad example. But You had never even heard of Halloween Town when we started this conversation. I still don't know what that is. It sounds terrible. I um, fucking hate you. So, I hate this so show. what's you know, 
It reminds me. That, I mean, it was what, one of those like ABC Halloween movies. Is that like a uh, fucking Hocus Pocus? That terrible movie. Anyway, um, Creep Show came out. Even and, a little bit mad. Even not a lot at all. Sorry, say again. Not even a little bit mad that you're just throwing all this shade at me. It's fine. Hey, movies are subjective. Like what you like, Chris. That's fine. It's fine. Watch whatever you want. I don't well, even care. The important thing is I make me watch out. the Tommy Knockers again. So I I, I purposely uh, didn't go into uh, Creep Show with anything about it except for the fact that I knew it was a Stephen King uh, movie, and I also knew that it was a uh, kind of like was it like an anthology sort of thing. It's got like a bunch of different stories. And they all just package them together, which. I like a lot. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I think more people ought to do it. Anyway, uh, I have to tell you, I have never felt so comfortable with an opening credit sequence. First of all, directed by George A. Romero. I did not know that. Uh, screenwriting uh, was Stephen King, of course. But you got Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, Ted Danson, Leslie Nielsen. I mean, and it, it even mentioned Stephen King as an actor, like... Not just, oh, cameo appearance, Stephen King, look for it. It's, no, 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 Stephen King is one of our leads, and boy is he in this. Uh, that is a questionable decision. And we'll it is. There. I'm pretty sure Stephen King fought for that. I, I'm pretty sure he really wanted to be in this movie, and he was just like, no, you're going to make me in there. And makeup done by world-renowned asshole Tom Savini. <laughs> if you have a lot of money... Or like a C cup or higher. Tom Savini will just... If you really want to get the time of day from at a convention, just you know, make your elbows touch behind your back. Kind of lean in close. He will talk to you all ding-dong day. It, you have to show like a full... At least 1.5 inches of cleavage, though. It's really important. Do not bother otherwise. He will yeah. not make eye contact with you. Now, the other thing I Nor really like Nor should he. So I was hungover for most of the day, and I was just like, oh shit, I gotta watch Creepshow before we record the podcast. So I had to wake up at like whatever i don't know what time I, I woke up to like watch it and i was like okay give myself two hours it should be good that movie's like exactly two hours long i was just like what when is a horror movie ever this long and it's worth it i mean most of the time it's like oh, it was a horror movie so it's like under 90 minutes that's fine this is worth all two hours i mean sure there's stuff in here that's not great but this is one of the most interesting stephen king adaptations and in a really good way honestly this is my strong number seven stephen king movie this could be better than Carrie, to be honest. I like this a lot. Like I'll, I'll tip my hand. Like as a movie, it's not better than like Shawshank, mm-hmm. but it's probably like top five just because I watch it every single year. I'm gonna be honest. Like it's not, it's not made the best, but yeah, I, it puts me in that perfect mindset. I want this time of year. Honestly, I presentation bet if I went back is and watched abs- it. I, I bet I would, I would like this more than Green Mile, and I loved Green Mile, but. I mean, this is just so much fun to watch. It's it's presented... Okay, so we've all seen Pulp Fiction, but uh, it, it's based on, like, those pulpy uh, magazines that, you know, people... That struggling writers have always had to write for. Stephen King used to have to do this. He used to... He used to I, mean, th- I mean, this is a guy who was the world's best-selling novelist. For the longest time, he couldn't get any job writing except for submitting, like, low-budget, like, horror stories to pornographic magazines. That was the best that he could do. And it was like, who do you think is going to read those? No one's, no one's picking up those magazines for the horror stories. Be like, oh, dude, got to check out Stephen King at Biggins this week. But um, There was the monster in the crate. <laughs> I'm going to go jack off now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
so the movie starts off with Tom Atkins and his enormous face. Makes me feel better about my relatively small face. Like already we're at four stars. Yeah, already we are. And he's just like getting he's just reaming out his son apparently for having the unmitigated audacity, the the veritable gall to be reading. You it's bring that just kind of like, crap in my house, Chris. <laughs> it's just how dare you. First of all, I have to admit that this is at first when I was reading it, I think I thought it was like this might be the most egotistical thing that Stephen King has ever done besides his miniseries of The Shining. Uh, <laughs> I was watching it and I was I, I have to admit the first thing I thought was who does Stephen King think he is? And not just like oh only the world's best selling novelist jackass. No 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 like basically he's so he has the father calling creep show like oh this is crap how can you read magazines like this with these trashy stories and stuff like that uh they may have acted like that in like 1920s perhaps but nowadays you'd be happy just to see your son reading instead of spending all his time on the internet or or you know or playing violent video games or watching you know shitty movies or something like that you you gotta encourage kids to read so basically when i say who does he think he is stephen king when he's when he was writing the opening to Creep Show, he very he very clearly thought he was like, oh yeah, I'm one of the agitators. I'm one of the ones who's one of the social misfits. I'm one of the ones who's part of the resistance, baby. Donald Trump will never see this. It just it, it seems to think that he's like some sort of rebel. You're not a rebel for writing Creep Show, dude. You're you're an entertaining author. You're a very good screenwriter, but a rebel you are not. I would be begging my kid to read spooky stories in Jackoff magazines instead of playing Minecraft for just one afternoon. Exactly. I mean, come on. Well, okay. So, I have a lot to say about a very small scene, but I bet it wasn't a small scene for you either. So, the father takes the magazine and throws it away. Uh, heaven forfend his kid to read something. You forgot and, the best part where it gets like, it's no worse than the magazines you have in your nightstand and he just belts the shit <laughs> Yeah, you're a little stupid. It's just so like, good. and I have to Poor admit, little Tom Joe Atkins, Hill, and the it's wife just hair. apparently uh, has no problem with that. <laughs> but okay. Uh, anyway, I think what I like about this most of all is the kid looks to the window, and what does he see? The creeper. It is basically the crypt keeper. Uh, I I thought it looked kind of like a female Crypt Keeper, really. It's like the robe looked very feminine on it. And I was, alternatively, honestly, it's kind of a scary shot at first. It's just because it is a really good jump scare. just like a, holy moly, that's there. But it's also so funny to look at because, like, God, it just, it, it makes me immediately think it's just like, oh, this is so funny. If I saw that, I would either laugh hysterically or, like, shit my shit my pants or whatever and it's just looking at me just like and it looks at the camera it smiles it's so silly but the most important thing i thought was just like boy i miss effects like this did you appreciate that spoilers that's a real skeleton because back in the 80s you could just ship those in from india i did not know that you just you uh, just uh you know you don't ask too many questions you just uh you get them in don't ask how they got them Not i will admit tom safini did a really good job on that skeleton so shout out to him the jerk uh, I also really like the animation for what that's worth, which is not much because there's not a whole lot of animation. But I was just like, I, don't know, I like the way it, it looks. It's worth much. It's everything to me. The way this movie's set up and the presentation, the styles, everything—that is what makes this my favorite anthology. Which like, is really I could watch really this every single year. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, this should be it. Like the Halloween movie people go to. I mean, people go to like really shitty movies for Halloween, like 
Halloween 1 and Halloween 3 and Hocus Pocus All right. and the Nightmare well, Before Christmas. And... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just too easy. Um, yeah? Yeah. And uh, Cabin in the Woods, which didn't make any sense. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> boy. Anyway. <laughs> this... Honestly, it's it, it is one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Period. I the and you're right. It is the presentation that really sells it to you. Anyway, uh, I, I've I've read some magazine like this where it's just a whole bunch of stories you just go through. And it's just like wow, this that and the other thing. I think maybe the father was upset because it was like presented as a comic book, but like nothing in the story is really that gruesome or graphic. You know, like so we start off with uh, Father's Day. Uh, do you want to do it? <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I can't I'll do pepper the, it in when appropriate. I can't. I don't know how to edit my voice to do it right, but it's the. Where's my cake, Mindy? Where's my? <laughs> Just banging that fucking cane. Like the whole point of the story is that entire family desperately wanted that old man dead. And within thirty seconds, you're like, "Will someone just fucking brain this old fart, please, God?" He's, he's calling his daughter a bitch because she won't bring him a cake. On you one. bitch! I want my cake. It's as you see, you're like, this is perhaps the most over the top thing I've ever seen. And I think as I was watching it, buckle up, friend. I know my my smile just got bigger and bigger just because I knew it's like you're not gonna start off with your best. Uh, segment you you can't you know you just never do that um anyway it is the most like it is such a schlocky dirty you know sort of thing where like she goes to his grave after she killed him and uh and his hand comes out of the ground and you know zombifies her or whatever and just fucking and then serves her head on a platter like <laughs> is that not on. an incredible last shot of him walking out with her fucking head that, with the candles that on it. That was fantastic, and I just love that. That's just, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that makes me realize that Stephen King has a lot more talent than I gave him credit for, because I've read a decent number of his stuff, and, I mean, some of his stuff gets to me, some of it doesn't, obviously, but this is a one where it shows he can write in a different style and that he has respect for the past. And that's important that people look at the past, like these pulp novels and stuff like that, where uh, we're we're struggling writers who are really good. Friedrich Pohl and all these other people were struggling to write for a penny a word back in these days, and they were still turning out like high class stuff, even though it'd be in like Men's Life or or whatever other terrible magazines that they had to write for. So. I mean, and you can't get uh, quality stuff. You can't, they, they don't make pulp magazines anymore. No one, no one does it anymore. It's, it's impossible. Your, your best bet for like a good collection of uh, short stories in a magazine would, I guess, be the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, which people still write for, sure, but it's like $60 for a subscription. So it's it's the little low-budget stuff. That's, that's the part of it that's fun and worth reading. Yeah, there's no pulp magazines. It's just people writing creepypasta. <laughs> the world is a nightmare, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. So, so there's not a ton to talk about this segment. It's pretty basic. Like, she kills the dad on Father's Day like seven years ago. Every year on Father's Day, the whole family comes and celebrates because he's such a piece of shit. And then his zombie comes back and kills them all. But, like, it ends so perfectly because the zombie walks out holding her head on a plate saying he got his cake. It freezes, transitions into a comic panel. 
and then flips pages to the next story. It's, it's perfect. Like, that's yeah, the exact I thing it. I want. Now, I will say the last word about it is I think it's it's either George Romero did this or Stephen King did this, where he told every actor to just be like, guys, this is a parody. We are making a joke about something. Besides, I guess, Leslie Nielsen, who, who played his role dead serious. We'll get to him. But, uh, fucking, it was unbelievable with the like the first panel of that story is just like oh yes Victorian setting you know oh you're putting the wing nuts to the old windshield old nut you know just come on and it's like it's oh like, where's your hick I mean husband yeah it's like come on uh, and then you get to the next one and Stephen King said no 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 uh, there, there are many who could play this role you know we could get Tom Cruise we could get uh Harrison Ford, we could perhaps get a young Mel Gibson. He said, no, no, no. This has to be done by myself. I'm the only one who knows exactly what I'm looking for in this role. This is perhaps an even sillier performance than Bronson Pinchot in uh, The Langoliers because Stephen King as Geordie Verrill in The Lonesome Death of Geordie Verrill, poorly titled uh, story, this his his eyes and his face. This is so ridiculous. Look, so you mentioned earlier that this is two hours, which is I've said before, two hours is a bit too long for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching this by myself, which I do most things by myself because mm-hmm. my life's a nightmare, mm-hmm. I almost always skip this one. Really? It's you skip just, this one? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the longest one, but I've seen it enough times where I'm good. It's definitely. How many times can you watch Stephen King be a literal Looney Tune? Uh, me anytime. That was very much one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. I just, I just think that is so, so funny. Um, see that right there. That's my favorite thing about this movie because it's pretty much unanimous. This is one of the best ones. And almost every time you ask someone what their favorite segment is, you're going to get a different answer. That, it's not that like some anthologies true. where it's like. Well, I mean, Creepshow 2, nobody's favorite segment is the first one. The first segment in Creepshow 2 is absolute garbage. Oh, that's... But you can get a different answer every time with this one. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I'm sure you'll find someone who says that The the Lonesome Death of Jordy Barrel is their favorite. I don't know that... It might be my favorite, but only because of Stephen King's own uh, performance. It is just... To me, it's one of the silliest things I've ever seen, and it's so much fun. Just how over-the-top he is... Has there anyone who has as much contempt for Hicks and Hillbillies as Stephen King has? Because I, I don't know. I really don't know. He, Between he them and greasers, them. Stephen King holds a lot of grudges. And people who don't drink. Um, <laughs> it, it, it must be one of these things where it's just like, I have to admit the story's almost certainly the weakest. Because he doesn't really go anywhere. He, he finds a meteorite and he touches it and uh, plant stuff grows all over him and then all over the entire house and then i guess all over the entire world to to what end just nothing happens oh he does he does brain himself he does give himself the kurt cobain haircut but there is God damn it yeah i mean well, come on and they're, they're really just to me it didn't really go anywhere it reminded me a little bit of swamp of, of swamp thing but not quite as good and uh you ever see a troll in central park I've Don't. seen enough of it. I can't say yeah, I watched so the whole sorry. thing. It is one of the worst movies ever made, and this kind of reminds me of the ending. This is the sort of thing that Poison Ivy, the Batman villain, would like. But enough <laughs> about garbage comics. So, is, okay, <laughs> is there anything else that uh, you would want to say about the lonesome death of Jordy Barrel? I mean, like the other segments, I'll have those ironic twists that you would get back in those '50s comics. 
but this just I don't know he just turns into a plant and kills himself yeah but I will say I laugh every time in the dream sequence when he walks into the department of meteors to try and get money for it <laughs> that that was really funny I just like that he constantly has these dream sequences he is you're right he is an actual Looney Tune he's just like oh I can't wait to take this into the college and get two hundred dollars it's dude it's a meteor meteor right? I think <laughs> Uh, so it was like, oh, you was real to a bad look. And it's just, I think it was very much an example of, again, you said it best, Stephen King has a whole lot of ideas. Some of them are good and some of them are not so good, but God damn it, he's going to write them down. And then that ending is just so fucking depressing. Oh, just let me have this good luck just once. And he just blows his brains out. It's like, all right, next time. <laughs> Well, uh, you see, that's really unlucky because he didn't get to watch Something to Tide You Over. Uh, is that not the best name? Like that. God bless. First of all, you could already hear the crypt keeper go something to tide you over. Yeah. Or I can't do that laugh. Wow, that was terrible. Um, yeah, close that's enough. also nine o'clock at night here. Um, so huh? it was really nice seeing Leslie Nielsen and very much the, the comedic per- portion of his career at this point. Uh, so there's no way he can you can do like the straight stuff here. He is the straightest actor in this entire movie. He's just playing it He's- completely serious. I love it. He is the most vile piece of garbage. I was going to say in this whole thing, I forget about the last one, just how awful he is. But he's a close second. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Uh, that one, well, we'll get to that one when we get to it. But uh, Oh boy, we'll get to it. But uh, Leslie Nielsen is kind of uh, sick, isn't he? Uh, he's... Why, why on earth uh, is is he uh, doing this again? I had to like go back and look it up. Turns out that uh, it was his wife Becky who was cheating on uh, Leslie Nielsen with Ted Danson, which and I, that's a who wouldn't? I know it's I mean, you it's know it just turned down prime Ted Danson. Do you exactly. see that this fucking hair? Come on, son. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Although he did claim he could bench press three hundred. Yeah, dude. Me too. Anyway, uh, so I I could tell really quickly what was going to happen like the idea that he was going to bury him up to his neck and let the tide you know take care of him that i knew what was going to happen but there's two things about it. one i did not know that the twist was going to happen and two i did not know that uh i did not know that the 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 stuff along the way would be just as much fun because first of all just telling him the entire time no go ahead bury yourself up to your neck no do it no do it no do it no do it and he finally does it takes him an hour to do it Ted Danson screaming in fear at a blue crab is that is hysterical to me. That crab is <laughs> crab not bothering like anyone. <laughs> that crab just happens to be there. Like, ah, 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 ah. I was like, okay, dude. What? Seriously, on. get me out of here. This fucking crab away. You don't need to worry. You just need to hold your breath. It was just like, immediately it was one of the things that makes me think of this. By the time you get to your end, it's the third segment. It makes me think that it's not, again, it's not a rebellious movie, but the kids who watch it, those are the rebels. They're they're seeing like, oh man, I saw this really cool story. So all the other kids are seeing quote unquote scary movies like Friday the 13th and, you know, what's the movie that you like? <laughs> Fuck you. No, I was, I was just really... I, I, I couldn't just, like, lowball it anymore. Hey, what is that garbage you like to oh, watch? Oh, yeah, you probably like Leprechaun, you piece of shit. Anyway, um, it, you know, just... You know, That's they're cool. watching we can pepper that in for next a, year, buddy. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day is going to be lit. Uh, we're just going to yeah. have... Seven of them. <laughs> uh, both in the hoods. Uh, it's, 
It's one of those things where I think that they're going to see these conventional horror movies. They're just not ready for something like Creepshow, which is A, presented interestingly, and B, honestly, I think it's a little bit scarier. I, I, I think it's this is an actual scary movie. Uh, and this is the one that really got to me because it's like, I mean, I, I think I have a fear of drowning as well. I think it's like, an, I, I would never want to have that happen. But uh, it's the fact that it, the way it's set up for them to do that, it doesn't look scary at first. So more you think about it, it kind of works. But then they come back, it's like horrifying ocean zombies. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, well, now it's a comedy again. I, I, I just like it that this, this is very much spinning like three different plates at once. And doing a really good job of it, while some really good music plays in the background, and I'm having a good time. But I just want—I <laughs> do love how almost every time a segment ends, when the big twist happens, the colors get all neon-y and shit, and they get these insane sound effects going on. It's just—it makes me so happy. All these bright reds and blues in the background, and these over-exaggerated faces. Yeah. So first of all, what was up with uh, fucking? Um the at the end of something to tide you over uh leslie Nielsen says uh i can hold my breath for a long time i was like and then what <laughs> like if, if if you if you survive somehow then you're still gonna be chased by these ocean zombies and if you die then you're an ocean zombie too and it's just like well now no one's happy so i think the best part of the segment was his awesome green fucking sweatsuit he was wearing at the end when the zombies came for him oh that kicked Just ass uh, i gotta get me one of those so the crate, uh, I think this one might have been my least favorite, uh, mostly because they cast Adrian Barbeau as, for the first time in her life, an unlikable character. I would like it more if it was like ten minutes shorter. It's a long one. It it is, and I think it's the the beginning that's a little too long because basically, I have to admit, uh, Adrian Barbeau being killed three times <laughs> is kind of entertaining because <laughs> she deserves it every time. I don't know that she deserves it at all because the entire time it's just that she's in a confused case. Yeah, she's drunk all the time and embarrasses him publicly, but I embarrass everyone I'm with publicly. And, I mean, yeah, she's obnoxious and there's no reason for him to be with her besides uh, two big reasons. Uh, But, like, killing her? A a bullet right to the head? He's probably been listening to that every day for the last 30 years and he's just broken. That's a good point. Anytime they meet anyone... I just call me Billy. Everyone does. <laughs> and then just emasculating him every single chance she gets. Now, would this movie have been better or worse if you had never seen the monster? <sighs> well, the monster doesn't look good now. But I saw this movie as a kid. I just I was flipping through one day and this was on. And it was the start of this segment. And boy, did it scare the piss out of me. Because they do a lot I, of teasing until it finally comes out. Yeah, they do. Uh, like, the the arm comes out and tears off that guy. Uh, just... I gotta tell you, the, the monster didn't really do anything for me. Although I did like the final shot that it tears itself yeah. out of the, uh, the crate when it's in the water. I can't imagine watching and it, it now and shot. going like, Yeah, that monster looks really good. This is very satisfying. But as a wee little child, it mm-hmm. it shook me. So the one that everyone wants to talk about here is we really we really got to do it here. They're creeping up on you. Oh my god! Uh, this this guy has a fear of bugs, I assume, and he's really rich. And uh, his his apartment, which is pristine, this looks really more like a science fiction story. I was surprised that David Cronenberg didn't direct this segment. Uh, it's his apartment becomes overrun with bugs, man. 
I, I don't like bugs. I'm going to tell you that right now. Do not do bugs. Yeah, this one, I it's very hard to watch. I do not enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's well made and everything, but I do not enjoy watching it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, especially at the end, because I can tell that it's a dummy that those roaches are breaking Doesn't out matter. of, but, uh, Doesn't yeah, it still gets me. Oh, oh, God, I can't get over it, though, because the funniest thing in the world to me is seeing David Ely as, uh, I guess, an exterminator. <laughs> this dude, what, what voice is this? Because this is, like, the third time I've seen a movie where someone's doing, like, that weird, uh, uh, John Travolta thing. You're just like, yeah, it was a... How's it going, Mr. Pratt? What's the matter? Answer the door! I don't know if you know this, but Stephen <laughs> King like is really good at writing black characters. Oh, wait, there was a black guy in this movie. Oh, wait, I was thinking of Tommy Knockers when I said no black people. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's fair. I mean, um, it does take place in Maine. Uh, these movies are also so similar. Anyway, uh, Quality, I think... Quality, writing, yeah, directing, are... cinematography... I think one of my favorite things is in the in this scene is where uh, they they have like the little like what would you call it like the little way that you could see through the door like it it has like white spaces being like well I suppose I could get to it later honky or something like <laughs> he that he does call him a honky and, doesn't he? Uh, no he doesn't but I he might as well uh, now my least favorite line and this is I think my least favorite line in the entire movie which is. I mean, honestly, this is a well-written movie. Stephen King kind of knocked the kind of knocked it out of the park here. It was uh, the guy who's really rich, uh, Upson Pratt, which again, Stephen King name here. Uh, he's a really powerful bureaucrat. He just had a company takeover, which led to some other guy killing himself, and he's he's ruined a whole lot of lives just being rich, apparently. As you do. Yeah, you know, capitalism's evil, etc. And. He makes a comment that oh these people they're brainless just like bugs, and you gotta you gotta get them before they get you otherwise they'll sneak up on you. As soon as you say that you kind of ruin like the subtlety of the story because without that line it's not it, it's not like it's just some guy getting overrun overrun with bugs it's it, it kind of has like this little message of just like you know you push enough people around eventually they're going to push back or something like that you know and i just i prefer a story like that i have bad and, news uh, for you about in, uh, 1950s pulp comics not a lot of subtleties okay, yeah I, that's true i just thought it would have been a little bit a lot of like that. and then the bald eagle named small government killed the red menace <laughs> oh Okay, that's that's fair. That is fair. I understand that that's kind of the point, but I, I guess I think I would have liked it if it was just a little bit more subtle. And I think it, that's even then, you know, even with that excuse, Stephen King would have written this in his best books anyway. Yeah. He would have just given away what it's all about. He has seventy-five so, other books that have more subtlety in them. Well, I have to admit, well, let's, he has seventy-five other books. We'll put it that way. The subtlety part. What published this year? God, there's one that anyway. just came out with his son. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And you could murder someone with it. So, or it looks 600 pages um, too long without even knowing what it's about. Oh, my God. Someone on Steam just popped up and says they're playing a game. And their, their username, they changed it to, I'm too set you on for my shirt. <laughs> I love that sauce. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we go to the epilogue. Uh, they're redoing this thing, and Tom Atkins has neck pain. Uh, I have to admit, so like they have two garbage men, uh, Tom Savini, playing a garbage man, and also in the movie he uh, is a garbage man. 
and they throw out some stuff and it's just like the least interesting thing they pick up the comic book they're looking through it and weirdly enough it's like i don't know if this is a subtle commentary on people with uh manual labor jobs or whatever but they're immediately looking at the most boring parts of the entire story <laughs> they're immediately looking at like the advertisements like oh those x-ray glasses you know like ah oh, they never on. work you get you guys at home remember those yeah you do sure you do Oh, Voodoo Doll, we can't send out for this one. It's like, oh, really? I had no fucking idea, dude. Did you notice um, earlier in the movie, though, it flipped past the Voodoo Doll page and it was already torn out? Yeah, I did see that one. Oh, anyway, so the kid, much. which is important, you, you, you gotta get that in there. Uh, so the kid is uh, stabbing the Voodoo Doll with a thing, which does not paint a very good picture of uh, the youth who will watch <laughs> this movie. But regardless, that was one of the best moments of the entire movie because that would have been a very... That would have been a, a, a little ending that you would have seen in a magazine like Creepshow. Yeah, the movie ends with a little kid murdering Tom Atkins with the voodoo doll. Like, it's perfect. That's how this movie has to end. I love Creepshow so you know, much. You know, you're right about the like the blue and red stuff that you keep seeing there. It, it really is like a, like a, the, the sort of Tales from the Crypt sort of like shots that you keep seeing. It's just... It's the presentation, which is everything. Like, I think out of all the garbage horror I watch Anthology is probably my favorite just because even if one or two are bad you still got two or three really good stories in there and this just everything about it from the individual stories to the directing to the writing to the presentation it's just one amazing beautiful package that I will watch every year forever and I, I really have to admit that uh, the, one of the taglines for the movie if you look at the poster is the most fun you'll have being scared it, it, they're right. I mean, this is this is such a fun movie, more, more fun than you know almost any other Stephen King movie. Also, is that not the best poster? Uh, that is, that's one of the posters I, I kind of want to get just for myself because so that's <laughs> that's that's me uh, like you know asking for tickets for the Emoji movie. Just as a, just a dead <laughs> skeleton here, just decrepit old skeleton. So uh, we were recording this whole time. Did you miss? That uh, what's what's the name of the Star Wars one? The Return of the Jedi, the Revenge of the Jedi, or whatever the trailer on Monday Night Football. I'm fine. I'm actually cool. <laughs> the uh, cool the oh no, there. never mind. Sorry, the next Jedi. So mm -hmm. the first Jedi. Yep. Um, yep. Not the first, and you know that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the Force falls asleep. Uh, that trailer is going to be out soon, so I assume. Yeah, that uh, the, I'm sure the bean counters upstairs are going to make us have to uh, give our own uh, quick reactions to it. <laughs> you want to record a trailer reaction video, buddy? <laughs> or do you want to do literally anything it's, else? It's the video, I don't know that we could do, but uh, just <laughs> that was one of the things. As soon as we get the studio, this, this is big fucking news. All you'd hear is the clattering of chairs being thrown in excitement. <laughs> just, that, that's actually the video. It's just like an eight-second shot of an empty studio, then like this rumbling in the distance and just, just knocking all over all your Funko Pops and be like, ladies and gentlemen, we just saw the, the Last Jedi trailer. We saw Kylo's lightsaber again. Who's... Who, Guys! What kind of... It's happening. Kind of name for a Jedi is Kyle. So join us next week. <laughs> For wait, if ever again. <laughs> wait, which ones are we doing? This motherfuckers. Well, we were originally supposed to do Dreamcatcher and the Shining, but uh, 
Mm. I did not have time uh, to do The we, Shining uh, this week. Yeah, Spoilers. But, uh, I did not have mm. time for that. How about The Running Man? Yeah, so Children of the Court and The Running Man. Yeah, let's do Children of the Thank you. Okay. Two, I actually want to get I did not have a spare four and a half hours. Yeah, not yeah so Children of the Court and The Running Man. I'll get those down. Maybe not ever. That might have been. That might have been presumptuous. We have to replace that.